can do it. There's no doubt. For nothing is impossible for my God. He simply has to speak the word and it will be taken care of. So there's a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of uh, things going on. And uh, so y'all keep our country in prayer. Please keep our church in prayer and everything that's, uh, that's, that's going on. The message I got this morning, uh, if, I don't know if you noticed the title of it or not. It's kind of a strange title, really. When God says seven times, six is not enough. We're going to look, really this, this more or less points to obedience to what God says. We're going to look at a man, his name is Naaman. Naaman learns a big lesson. Now, Naaman is a powerful man. He's a general in the Syrian army. He's real close to the, to the Syrian king. And uh, I'm going to read some scripture that kind of gets this thing set up as to what it is. But it's, it, this is a story about Naaman. And Naaman is going to learn obedience, humbleness. I know God's brought me to my knees many times. And I'm thankful he did. But I'm going to read this. It's coming out of 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1 through 7. It says, Now Naaman, captain of the host or army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. Naaman was a mighty man. He was a general in his army, but he had a problem. He was a leper. So evidently the leprosy hadn't got real bad yet, but we're going to get down here and see where Naaman has to humble himself before a mighty God and get things taken care of. And here in verse 2 it says, And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. These Syrians had raided Israel. They had captured this little maiden woman, brought her home, and she became Naaman's wife's servant. Now evidently Naaman and them really took good care of her. She thought a lot of Naaman and uh, that family and it goes on here all of this with Naaman comes because of this little servant girl we'll see here in just a second it says in verse 3 and she said the little servant girl said unto her mistress would if God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria for he would recover him of leprosy, or he would heal my master of this leprosy. And they told, and she talked talk to Naaman about this. And he goes now to the king of Syria. He approaches he, Naaman. The king really likes Naaman because Naaman had delivered Syria out of many battles. He had won many battles for Syria and kept them and, and, and just kept them in victory. So it says, and Naaman went in 
and told his lord the king, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is out of the land of Israel. And he told her, he told the king what she said about how he could be healed by this prophet of God that lives there. And he says, uh, And the king of Syria said to Naaman, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. So this king is telling Naaman, You go, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel explaining what I need to be done for you. And Naaman departed and took with him. Now, Naaman's going to take a gift with him. He said, uh, excuse me. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of remnant or clothing. So he gets there to the king and it says he brought the letter to the king of Israel saying, Now when this letter is come unto you, behold, I have therefore sent Naaman my servant to you that you may recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read that letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill to make alive, that this man does send to me to recover or to heal this man of his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeks a quarrel against me. This king thought that Naaman was sent to him for him to heal. And this king knows right away, hey, am I God? Just real shortly, leprosy in Israel was believed to be a curse from God to put on somebody for some really terrible sin that they had committed. And nobody could heal that leprosy but God himself. That's what they believed. And that's how Jesus was able to heal so much leprosy. Because it was God healing them. God in the flesh was healing the lepers. The priest couldn't heal them. Nobody could heal them. Except Jesus. Now they're sending this leper. This little maiden, send him to Elijah is where he's going to go. He's going to be sent to Elijah the prophet. And then the Bible said Naaman, like I said, it said that Naaman was a great man. And God had used him to bring deliverance to Syria. But like I said, Naaman had a problem. And we know what that problem is. He had leprosy. So from what they're saying, this leprosy was in still kind of an early stage. It hadn't really spread over his body. He was still able to function. But as time went on, then that leprosy would begin to spread. Leprosy would begin to, begin to eat away at the skin, at body parts, and everything like that. You'd remember, there was a lot of lepers you'd go and meet to. Ears would be missing. Part of their nose would be missing. Fingers missing. That's what leprosy did. Well, well uh, Naaman hadn't got that far yet and he was wanting to try to get this taken care of he said Naaman was a great man not just because he was great, a great warrior but also because he was willing to admit he had a problem and he wanted to do something about it even though he was as great a man as he was he was ready to humble himself and say hey wait a minute I have a problem I need help and uh 
you know, it takes a certain amount of greatness or humbleness for a person to admit they have a problem. How many of you in here really like to admit, hey, wait a minute, I've got a problem? Most times we don't want to admit we've got a problem. Hey, I can take care of it myself. See, that's where pride rises up. Pride is saying, I don't need nobody. I can do this myself. I'll take care of it myself. Well, one thing about Naaman, he knew that he could not handle this himself. But most people are quick to point out other people's problems. They're pretty slow to admit they've got a problem. But Naaman was ready to say, hey, I need help. And there was something else about Naaman. In his years, he learned something. As being a general in that army, he learned to listen. Sometimes, you know, instead of talking all the time, we need to listen. Be surprised what you can learn just by sitting still and listening. Probably a whole lot more than you can by talking. And he learned, when this little girl said he learned to listen to a little slave girl, when she told him there was a prophet in Israel who could heal him of his leprosy. Wait a minute, wait. What are you talking about, little girl? Yes, there's a prophet in Israel, a prophet of God, of Israel's God, that can heal you. Well, now Naaman become all ears. And uh, she told Naaman about this prophet Elijah. See, she knew that he had the power of God working through him to do this healing. Because, see, she was raised in Israel, and she knew about the God of Israel. She knew about the power of her God. And uh, she knew that through his power, Naaman could be healed. So Naaman gathers up all his stuff, and he goes to the king of Israel. See, even Naaman thought that this king was going to be the one to heal him. Naaman thinks if there's any power in this land, it must be the king who is over all the people. He's got the say. He's got the power. But the king thinks Naaman is there for him to heal. And he thinks the only reason he's come it's to stir up a quarrel because he's not going to be able to heal it. And that, that Naaman is going to go back and that Syria will attack him. That is how this king is thinking. But then Elijah hears about what's going on. He hears about Naaman going to the king and then he sends a message to the king saying, send him to me. So the king sent Naaman to Elijah's home. And when Naaman arrived, you talk about a blow. When Naaman arrived, Elijah did not even come out of his house to greet him, to meet him, or anything else. Himself. He sent out his servant. Now this was the first blow to Naaman's pride when he gets over there. What do you mean sending out a servant? to see me where 
is the main man. See, Naaman was full of pride. He was a mighty man, but he was full of pride. And it was it, it and it really hurt Naaman or made him it actually made him angry that that uh, Elijah did not come out himself. And so when the servant tells Naaman, go dip seven times in the Jordan River and you will be healed. Then Naaman takes pride, takes another hit on his pride. Naaman really becomes angry because he had his own ideal of how he was going to be healed, how he was going to be blessed. How many of us are like that? How many of us have our own ideals of how we want God to do something in our life? Think about it. How many of us say, well, now I need God to do this. I need God to do that. Oh, I know God's going to do it this way. No, we have no idea how God's going to do it. God's going to do it the way he wants to do it. And sometimes it's going to humble us, just like it's going to humble this Naaman here. You know, it said that uh, many of us, like I said, had our own ideals of how we, how we wanted God to bless us. How many of you, when you pray and you pray to God, you want to tell him where he's going to do it, when he's going to do it, and how he's going to do it? In your prayer, God, I want you to do it this way. And God, I need you to do it now. I'm in a hurry. No, God's going to do it in his time and in his way. Naaman is going to find this out. And uh, Naaman thought that this prophet of God would come out. See, this is, this is his idea. This prophet of God, Elijah, would come out, bow down to him, maybe wave his hand over his head, pronounce him healed, and everything would be done and he'd go back home. But God wants to do more than just heal our flesh problems. Many times God wants to heal your heart issues first. God wants to take care of the spirit, the soul, before he does physical healing. God wants you whole. He wants you complete. He wants to take care of that, of that, of that spiritual need that you have. And it's the diseases of the heart that is the source of most sickness. It's on the inside of us. We begin to think about different things that is not the way that God wants you to think. God wants us to be obedient to Him, to come to Him and listen to what God has to say. Now, Naaman, listen to this little Israel girl. But he's having a problem listening to God. And many people say, well, what, what, what would you call diseases of the heart? How about unforgiveness, anger, jealousy, strife, rebellion, and pride? You know, Naaman had every one of these. And it was pride that was killing Naaman. His pride, because of who he was. He was a general in the Syrian army. People looked up to him. 
people wanted his advice. They came to him seeking things. And that pride kept building up, building up. Naaman was so full of pride that God was going to make sure that before Naaman left, he was humbled. And that he also was going to have an experience with God that was going to change his whole life. Yes, Naaman had leprosy running through his body, but he had pride that was killing his soul. The Bible tells us that in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it tells us something. It says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Guard your heart. Guard what comes in. Of course, we know it's not really the heart, but it's called the heart. It's our inner man. It's our mind where everything enters. But they say, oh, you've got to guard your heart. No, we've got to guard our mind. See, that's Satan's favorite place to hit is right here. When he comes against you, he don't come against your heart. You don't think with your heart. You think with your mind. And he's filling your mind full of junk, full of lies. So that's how Satan attacks you is here. But we have to guard what we hear. You know, when you get so full of the word of God on the inside of you, you don't have room in there for Satan's lies. That's why I say stay in the word. Get yourself so full of God, so full of the word of God, that Satan's work, lies cannot penetrate you. Because Satan will not, that's all he's going to do is lie. The Bible says, for Satan is the father of all lies. And, there's, and that's all he does is when he speaks, it is a constant lie. Everything he says contradicts the word of God. So if somebody's trying to tell you something, and, and if it's contradicting the word of God, you need, to, you need to get away from that person. You need to get away from that person. But how do you know it's contradicting the word of God? First of all, you've got to know what God's word says to know it's contradicting God's word. We need to stay in our Bible. We need to get into that word. Know that when somebody comes and tells you something, does it line up with what the word of God says? If it doesn't line up with what God says, pay no attention to it and get away from it. And then there came another blow to Nathan's pride. He's sitting there and he's thinking, wait a minute. Why do I have to go and dip in this dirty Jordan River when we have big, beautiful, clean rivers where I live? God didn't tell him to dip in his rivers. He said dip in the Jordan. He made it very specific. Dip in the Jordan seven times. Then this last blow to Naaman's pride. Notice what it says. It said dip Seven times. Seven is God's number. That is the number of completion. He had to dip seven times to complete his healing. You're going to see seven all through the Bible many times. Seven represents God. It represents completion. That's what God does. He, said, he was telling him, dip seven times and what I said to you, said to you will be complete. And God, the last thing he wanted here, he wanted total obedience from Naaman. Total obedience. How many of us are totally obedient to God? You know God's speaking to you. 
you feel it in your spirit that God is saying something, you say, well, I don't really think that's how really God wants me to do it. See, that's kind of what Naaman was thinking. He had his own ideals of how he wanted God to do something. Many times we have our own ideal of how we want God to do something in our life. And it would probably be nice if God would do it the way we want to do it. But God's, like I said, is going to do it his way. He's going to do it how he sees to do it. See, if Naaman had went down, <clears throat> excuse me, to the Jordan, <clears throat> if he had dipped any less than seven times, do y'all realize that would have been disobedience to God? And it would have disqualified Naaman from God's blessings. Because he blatantly disobeyed what God told him to do. We've got to make sure when God tells us to do something, do it how God tells us to do it. And somebody here today may be wondering why they haven't received the blessings that they've been praying for. Maybe you've done some things right, but have you done everything right that God told you to do? Did you complete what God told you to do? Or did you just do some of it? thinking, well, I'm sure I don't have to do everything God said to do. Yes, you do. We have to do everything that God says for us to do. It, like I said, if Naaman had not dipped that seven times, he would not have been healed. You know, God's word in us won't work when God tells us to do something seven times and we only do it six. That disqualifies us from God's blessings because we wasn't obedient. So if we want to receive the blessings God has for us, do you realize to really receive what God has for us, it's going to cost you something? You know what it's going to cost you? Your obedience to God. When we're obedient to God, then God stands behind what He said He'd do. He said, if you will do what I, what I tell you to, then I will do what I said I'd do. So it's up to us. We have to be obedient to God to receive God's blessings. Just like Naaman. He said, Naaman, you dip seven times in that Jordan River, I'll heal you. Notice he didn't say four, five, or six. He said seven times. What about Joshua? Didn't God give him an order to march around Jericho? How many times? Seven. God's number. If Joshua had only marched around Jericho six times, those walls would have never failed. We have to be obedient to God. Joshua had to be obedient to God. Naaman was going to have to be obedient to God. So when God says seven times, he means seven times, not six. God's number, like I said, is seven. Seven is God's number. Seven is where man's obedience and God's power come together. Our obedience and God's power come together. And then what we need, we will receive God's blessings because of our obedience to God. 
if Naaman had stopped dipping, like I said a while ago, at four, five, or six, nothing would have happened. There would have been no manifestation of God's power in his life. Naaman, the only thing that would have happened to Naaman is he'd just gotten wet. That's it. There would have been no healing, no nothing. But whenever Naaman did dip that seven times, you know, even some of his men had to come to him. Naaman said, dip seven times, that's one of the dumbest things I ever heard. I'm not going to do it. He was going to leave. He wasn't going to dip. One of his men, they loved Naaman. They called him father. They came to Naaman and said, Father, if that prophet of God had asked you to do something hard and difficult, would not you have done it? Naaman thought for a minute. Oh, yeah. See, dipping seven times is too easy. It had to be more difficult than that. It's kind of like salvation. God made salvation so easy we can all understand it. He didn't make it difficult. Even God made it so easy for Naaman to be healed, to be cured of leprosy. Naaman thought it was too easy. This can't be what God wants me to do. But one of his men said, Naaman, Father, if this prophet had asked you to do something very difficult, you wouldn't have done it. Naaman thought for a minute. He said, okay. So Naaman goes, gets in that Jordan River, and he dips seven times. On that seventh time, when Naaman come up out of that Jordan, they said that his, that his flesh became like that of a child. Healed. Flesh like a child. Clear, soft, beautiful. Leprosy had gone. It had left him. Do anybody, do any of us have anything in our life today that you would allow to cheat you out of God's blessings? Have you got something in your life today that you would allow to cheat you out of God's blessings that you hadn't gotten rid of? Sometimes God says, repent. Repent simply means to turn and go the other way. Many times we've got something in our life, a sin, that you just kind of want to hold on to. You don't want to get rid of it. You enjoy it. But God says, repent. Get rid of all sin. God cannot look upon sin. Many times our prayers aren't answered because we've got something that we did not get rid of. And God says, why didn't you get rid of that? That's sin. What do we tell God? Oh, oh, well, that's not that bad. Sin is sin. And God cannot look upon it. And many times our prayers aren't answered because we've got something that's put a block between us and God. And it's sin. It's sin. We have to get rid of all sin of our life if we want a fellowship with God. You know, sin, we have that. What about pride? Are you holding on to some pride? What about fear? He said, for fear is not from God. For God did not give us the spirit of fear, but that of power, love, and a sound mind. Fear comes from the enemy. That's one of the tactics he uses. He tries to scare us to death. But God said, I did not give you the spirit of fear. So it didn't come from God. 
What about faith? Where's your faith? Many people think, oh man, I've got plenty until it comes time to use it. Sometimes God will test you. He'll test your faith. Will you get an A plus or will you get an F? What about lukewarmness? Anybody here scared to tell somebody about Jesus? No, no, I, 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 just, I just can't do that. What did the Bible tell us? If you will not confess me before men on earth, then I will not confess you before the Father who is in heaven. If you're, if, if you're ashamed of me, before men here on earth, and I'll be ashamed of you before the Father and the angels who are in heaven. We can't be ashamed and we can't be afraid to tell somebody about Jesus. Chances are the only reason you're sitting in here today is because somebody told you about Jesus. We've all got a testimony down on the inside of us. That's probably one of the greatest witness tools you'll ever have. You're talking to somebody said, oh, i got to tell you this. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Boy, you talk about a witness tool. That is a witness tool because I know some of you. And I know your life hadn't been perfect. And I know God probably had a struggle with you to get you in here. He did me, but he won and I'm glad he did. Do not be ashamed to testify or say something to somebody about your Lord and Savior. He wasn't ashamed to go to the cross and do what he had to do for you. He died for you. Can you witness for him? I'm going to go ahead and close because I'm down about where I want to be here. But as the band will come on up here, I want to say something while they're coming up here. There are no shortcuts to the power of God and His blessings. 2 Kings 5.15 And Naaman returned <clears throat> to the man of God, he and all his men, and came and stood before him. And Naaman said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Naaman met God that day. When, when Naaman did what he was supposed to, what happened? God shows up. And he does what he said he'd do. He healed him. And that's what he does to us. When we do and be obedient to God, God does what he says he'll do in our life. Naaman met God that day and it changed his life forever. started out. Naaman wasn't Jewish, he was Gentile. He did not know the God of Israel until the day that he dipped into the Jordan River. I don't think some of us really know the true God until we are obedient to him see what he does in our life. He'll heal. He'll save you. He'll 
build you a mansion in heaven. You take care of it. You know, Harold's, he's got his mansion in heaven right now. It's been built. God finished it. He said, Harold, the mansion's ready. Come on home. Harold's home now in his mansion. He said, in his word, said one day he is coming back. He's coming back for us. He said, I'm going to take you to where I am. That you may be also. That's heaven. Are you for sure that you have a mansion in heaven? Is your mansion in heaven? Is it there? If you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you've got him in your heart, Believe me, your mansion is there. You have it. It's obedience to God. I'm going to ask the band to play. If you're here today and you feel like, Bill, I haven't gotten rid of everything I need to get rid of. I have not been, not been total obedient to God. There's still some stuff in my life I need to get rid of. We have an altar right up God is here today, ready to take that away from you. He's ready to take away all that junk. He's ready to take away all your sin. He's ready. All you got to do is come to him. I love that song. And when he reached down his hand for me, that's what he's doing right now. He's reaching down his hand for you. Can you reach back and take it? See? This is going to be total obedience on your part. If you're going to be obedient to God, if there's something there you need to get rid of, please come down and get rid of it. Just come down and ask God to forgive you your sins, to get rid of anything that you've held back. God will take it, and you can truly say, I have been set free. I've been set free. So if the man will play, if you need to come to this altar, please. If you just got something you want to pray about it, I'm going to be down front. I'll be glad to pray with you.